0: Uh, John chapter 4, we'll read uh, verses 31 through 38, John four thirty-one through 38. And this is after Jesus um, has the encounter with the woman at the well, if you recall that. Um, and then here we come in verse number 31, in the in the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? But Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not ye, There are yet four months, and then cometh harvest? Behold, I say unto you, Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. He that reapeth, receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And, here is, and herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor. Other men labored and ye are entered into their labors. And let's pray uh, one more time together. Lord, we're grateful for all you've done already and uh throughout the day today. The Lord, now as we come to this passage of Scripture and this time in the service, Lord, I pray that you would... Remove distractions from our minds and our hearts, and Lord, help us to focus in on what you'd have for us tonight. Help us, Lord, to be uh, open to what you have for us, and help us to be obedient to what you have for us tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you. you may be seated. <clears throat> as, as it's been said a few times already today, in 10 short days, we will begin our Lift Up Your Eyes Missions Conference here at Cornerstone Baptist Church. And tonight, I wanted to share my heart with you regarding the importance of reaching this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I wanted you to hear it from me before we have all of our missionaries in as your pastor. Um, Oswald Smith once said, the mission of the church is missions. And uh, while I believe our purpose as a church is is more than just uh, reaching out into the world with the gospel, it's also to exalt the Savior. It's also to... Please our Lord. Uh, This is His church, and and we exist to bring glory and and praise to Him. We also, as a church, need to edify the saints. One of the purposes of gathering together is that we can be encouraged and edified and and, uh, built up and equipped to go out and serve the Lord. But it's also to evangelize the sinners. Uh, God's given us a great commission, and we've got to be obedient to getting that great commission out there. Well, Jesus here in this passage gives us an illustration to teach us about the importance of reaching our world with the gospel and the urgency we should have about this vital work. Albert Barnes in his commentary on this verse says and explains it a little bit further here when we read there are yet four months, say not ye, there are yet four months and then cometh harvest. And uh, he explains it like this, the common time from sowing the seed to the harvest in Judea was about, as you guessed, four months. So they would they would plant. And um, brother Dan was telling me wherever he is tonight, uh, there he is. Uh, brother Dan was telling me that he he spent the, the afternoon uh, playing in the dirt planting seeds. Uh, well, in Judea, when they did that, they could expect about four months. They would be able to go and and uh, get their cucumbers, their Uh, not lima beans we don't plant lima beans around around me okay that's just not allowed Uh, but uh, they planted whatever they were planting and particularly wheat here and and uh, then four months they would expect to go and start start reaping and uh, so he said the meaning of this passage may be thus explained the husbandman or the one planting the seed when he sows the seed is compelled to wait a considerable period before it produces a crop he is encouraged in sowing it. He expects fruit. His labor is lightened by that expectation, but it is not immediate. It is it is remote. It's kind of out in the distance. It's four months from now. Four months from now would be, well, we're almost at the end of uh, March here. So that would be end of April, end of May, June, July. That's a long time. Um, but it's not so with with the Lord's preaching. The seed had already sprung up. And uh, and so he was saying, look, there's Samaritans here that need to be reached, and, and we don't have, we don't, we don't, we're not going to wait four months here. We need to go reach them right now because he said, look, the uh, they're they're white already into harvest. Now that means that uh, grain, when ripe, turns from a green to a yellow or even a white color, indicating that it is time to reap it. And he's saying, look, the harvest that you're seeing before you is. It's not green. We don't need to wait. It's already white, and we need to go reach them right now. Uh, And the encouragement here is in verse number 35, where we're kind of getting this theme for our missions conference, and the title of tonight's message is, lift up your eyes. Uh, Too often we have our eyes on ourselves, don't we? Uh, It's tempting to think just about our own lives, our own little world, our own little universe, and and all, uh, all that we have going on in our lives, our schedule, our dreams, our wants, our plans. Um, and Jesus is telling his disciples here, and ultimately us, to get our eyes off of ourselves and onto the fields and their need for the life-changing message of the gospel. And So tonight, that's the encouragement, is that we would lift up our eyes off of our own little world. And I realize that what we have going on in our world is important, but we should not always just be looking there. God wants us to lift up our eyes and see the fields because, look, they're white already to harvest. Somebody needs to go a reap and and uh, take care and gather this harvest that's available right now. So tonight I want to ask the question, practically, how can we lift up our eyes and onto the fields that are white already under harvest? And I want to share with you three practical ways in which we can Lift up our eyes off of our own lives and onto the needs of the world around us. How do we do that? Well, first of all, tonight, I want to encourage us in this area of prayer. Uh, We need to pray. Now, praying for someone else is one of the most unselfish things we can do. When we take that time and that energy and that focus and concentration and and pour our heart out unto the Lord for one another, that is a great thing to do. It's, it's a very unselfish thing, and God wants us to be involved in this ministry of prayer, and that gets our eyes off ourselves and onto the needs of others. What are we to pray for? Well, first of all, we're to pray for more laborers, for more laborers. Matthew chapter 9, verse 37, Jesus said this to his disciples, The harvest is... Truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. As he looked around, he said, there is a lot of work to be done. And unfortunately, there's not that many labors in the harvest field. And so he goes on the next verse and says, Pray ye therefore that the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. You know, Jesus gave us only one prayer request. And we've been mentioning this on Wednesday night, because this is our Wednesday night memory verse for the month of March, verse 38. Jesus gave us only one prayer request, and this was it, right here. One prayer request that we should all have is this right here, that the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth labors into his harvest. Now, I hope that you have a lot of other things on your prayer list, but don't neglect this one, because this is the one that Jesus asked us to pray for. Um, and that is to pray for more labors into the harvest field. Now notice that it is God's harvest field, and it is God who sends forth labors. You can't send forth labor, and neither can I, but God can, and we need to pray that He would indeed do that. And I would say this, be willing to pray for this prayer request and be willing to be the answer to this prayer request. Sometimes you might be saying, Lord, would you please send someone to my next-door neighbor? Please. Be willing to be the answer to that prayer request. Uh, Maybe God wants to send you and let him do that. So pray for more laborers. But secondly, we need to pray for the laborers. Pray for those who are right now in the battle, in the harvest field, uh, trying to re, uh, to gather this harvest and to uh, reap them while they're white already into harvest. I think of a couple verses in, in Thessalonians as Paul was writing to this church. He said in, in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 25, he said simply and it's four words in this entire verse, and it says, Brethren, pray for us. I imagine there's many times when you were on the mission field that it was like, Folks, we just need you to pray for us. We're going through a difficult time. We just need God's people to pray, to hold the ropes in prayer. We heard uh, Brother Smith mention uh, a few weeks ago when he was here, when he preached, uh, encouraged us to hold the ropes through prayer. But brethren, pray for us, Paul said, because they were in the battle. They were uh, needing God's people to stand with them in prayer. He, in his second letter, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, here's what he writes to the church of Thessalonica in the second letter. He said, finally, brethren, pray for us. Again, and then then he goes on to say what he wanted them to pray for. He said, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it with you and, and we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men for all men have not faith. So God wants us to pray for the laborers. There's a lot of things we can we can pray for, and I actually have a, a handout that if you gentlemen want to go ahead and start passing these out, seven ways to pray for your missionaries. A lot of ways that we can be a blessing to our missionaries is by what we specifically pray for in their lives. Here we have relationship with God. Pray that uh, their relationship with God would continue to increase and that they would increase continue to grow in their relationship with God. And under that, there is loving and studying God's Word, strong prayer life, walking in the Spirit. These are great things to be praying for your missionaries. By the way, on the back, we have a list of all the missionaries that our church supports, whether financially or through prayer, which, by the way, is the greatest support that we can give. I know financial... Is an important area, but but prayer is something that it's hard to put a price tag on. So pray for their relationship with God. Pray for their physical and emotional life. There's some references here that go through that. I won't take the time, but if you want to, or you can look those up later. As they uh, as they uh, adapt to the different climate and culture of the nation and the field that God has placed them, pray for health. Um, some of them are in very bad sanitary conditions and uh we need to pray for their health as they uh you know they don't have hand sanitizer everywhere uh, they just kind of have to trust the lord with what they eat and and the cleanliness of those around them uh safety uh, safety and danger victory over loneliness and depression so those are some great things to pray for also family relationships this is huge uh, you think the devil wants to fight these in a missionary's life <laughs> Yes, they do. Yes, he does. Um, the, the devil knows that if he fights uh, and, and can get a victory and, and take this family off the field because of a family struggles, then he has, he has won a great victory. And so we need to pray for their husband-wife relationships, for the children-parent relationships. I'm telling you, those who serve the Lord are sometimes attacked greater than those who don't necessarily full-time. So we as God's people need to pray for the laborers in this way. Family life is a model to nationals coping with singleness for those who are in that in that uh, situation. Ability to communicate. Um, I'm struggling to communicate with Okies. I mean, it's just a challenge. No, I'm 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 getting the hang of it. I'm finally starting to learn the language here. I've taken I, I have my language classes uh, throughout the week, but. No, there are some who go through some very difficult uh, situations when it comes to learning languages, and, uh, and they need our prayers to help them with wisdom and with guidance. Continue improvement in fluency, cultural adaptation again, and understanding. Uh, effective ministry there, team relationships um, as they work with others in that region, country of service and uh, the ability for them to stay there and to be able to work. Um, we have a, we have good friends that uh, were missionaries in China. They got booted out of China because they they lost their their visas. They just got their visas back. Did you see that? Uh, they just got their visas to go back on April third, the beginning day of our missions conference, and so they're able to go back into China and, and uh, serve there once again. And there's a lot of this stuff that goes on that we don't really know about, and we need to be praying for our missionaries in this regard. So this is a great prayer list. And then again, our missionaries are on the back. Um, by the way, there's seven ways to pray for your missionaries. How many days a week are there? Seven. So maybe take one of these and assign them to a Monday, assign them to a Tuesday, and on and on it goes. And, and, uh, and pray for, maybe just break these up into seven, seven groups of missionaries and pray for those missionaries and the different things as you go through the week. Um, but we need to be praying for the laborers. They're asking for us to do that. Paul did, and I would—I would dare say that each of these missionaries who were active on the field would uh, would definitely covet and be desperate for our prayers. Again, a great way for us to get our eyes off ourselves and onto the needs of the field. So pray for more laborers. Pray for the laborers, and I would say also pray for the lost. Romans 10, 1, Paul said this, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Paul was praying for the uh, praying for the lost to come to know the Lord Jesus as their Savior. And pray for those who you know who need the Lord. Uh, maybe a co-worker, maybe a family member, maybe a neighbor, maybe a friend that you know from way back when, maybe a, an old schoolmate that you used to have, maybe... Maybe it's just somebody you met in town. Uh, pray for those who you know who need the Lord and pray that God would soften their hearts to the gospel and that they would come to know the Lord as their Savior. And then maybe God would even use you to continue uh, planting and and uh, working that ground to try to get the gospel into their lives. So prayer is a great way to get our eyes off of ourselves and onto the needs of the world. We're to lift up our eyes off of ourselves and onto the needs of the world. What else can we do to get our eyes off ourselves? Well, secondly, uh, we can give. We can give. Uh, we need to be willing to give our finances to reach this world with the gospel of Christ. Now, like it or not, it does take money to get the gospel out to the regions beyond. Uh, like it or not, these missionaries who will be coming through this, this uh, in, a couple, in a few days... Uh, They need finances to be able to do the work they're called called to do. Uh, They can't do it for free. I mean, they they would be willing to, but they need their needs met. And that takes money. Just like you need to eat, they need to eat, and they can't just get free money and say, well, I'm a missionary, therefore I get to eat for free. No, they wish they could. But it doesn't work that way as well, as you know. Philippians chapter number 4, if you would turn over there. We were actually uh, in this passage last Sunday night. So I won't take the time to go through it and spend too much time here, but, um, but I want to still highlight it tonight because it does go along with this. Philippians chapter number 4, verse number 10 says, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. And then he said, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content." I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere in all things, and I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And then he says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Now we all know that verse. We're all very familiar with that verse, but the context here is him being either abounding financially or suffering need financially. And he said, I can do either way. I can do all things through Christ. So if you're doing well financially, if you're struggling financially, uh, you know what it 's like to be the apostle paul because he 's experienced both and then it says in verse fourteen, notwithstanding ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. We mentioned last week that the word communicate isn 't just hey, you sent me a text message saying i 'm praying for you, but you sent me a love offering, <laughs> something that I could take to the bank literally, and I can use to buy food, I can use to buy my fare uh, on the on these boats that i 'm taking and all of that, I'm, you're, you're helping me out financially. Well, Let's jump down in verse number uh, eight, uh, 17, I'm sorry. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit, they may abound to your account. And then he goes on to say, verse 19, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That verse is in context attached to those who give, those who financially uh, are willing to give their finances. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 is another reference. We won't take the time to turn there tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 is a, is a reference to the Philippian church, and we looked at that last week as well. As we talked about, one of the characteristics of the church at Philippi was a generous uh, spirit, and they were willing to take care of the men of God, God's servants. So be willing to give our finances. Robert Arthington lived in a single room, cooked his own meals, and shared his friendship with students who were in need. Yet he gave tremendous amounts of money during his lifetime to Christian missions. Well, when he died, his estate was worth about $5 million, which he willed entirely to worldwide evangelism. After his death, he had received a... uh, after he, I'm sorry, after his death, a letter he had received from a missionary was found among his belongings. And this letter said that he received, Were I in England again, I would gladly live in one room, make the floor my bed, a box my chair, another box my table, rather than the heathen should perish for the lack of knowledge of Jesus Christ. So Robert Arthington got this letter and was determined to make that type, that type and that kind of self-denial the pattern for his life, and he really did. Instead of having all the luxury that he could have with all the finances and the wealth that he accumulated, he decided that he was going to live a simple life and give the bulk of his belongings to the Lord and to the Lord's work and to those who are faithful to serve the Lord in missions. Um, we have another handout that I want to, give out at this time and that is our faith promise commitment card that we're going to be filling out two weeks from tonight two weeks from tonight we will meet over in the fellowship hall and conclude the missions conference with uh, our our missions banquet we'll have a lot of good food and i'm looking forward to eating that we'll hear a message from one of our missionaries and then we'll work we'll pray together and we'll take up our faith promise missions commitment I want you to have this as a prayer reminder for the next couple weeks, because I'm going to ask you to give by faith to reach this world with the gospel of Christ. I'm telling you, I get a call or an email or some type of notice from a missionary on their way to the mission field needing financial support on an average of maybe two to three a month. And I have to turn them away because we don't have the finances to take on everybody for financial support. I would like to, uh, but I don't want to burden us out. But I think that if we're all willing to give, again, by faith. Now, look at the card here. It says, my faith promise commitment, I will give over and above my tithe to missions. So whatever whatever you give in your tithe, this would be uh, over and above that. And it is by faith. You may not necessarily see it in your budget. It may not make sense for you to give over and above your tithe because it doesn't f- make sense in your budget. This is why we call it a faith promise commitment. This is where you're giving by faith, not by sight. Um, and then uh, you would put however much um, that you're, you feel the Lord is leading you and your family to give, and you would put that there, and we'll collect these. Again, in two weeks, this is just a prayer reminder, just a, something for you to start thinking about. Um, a minister whose heart was a was aglow with missionary zeal gave notice to, a con- to his congregation that in the evening an offering would be taken for missions. And so he asked for liberal gifts, generous gifts. A selfish, well-to-do man in the congregation met the preacher before the evening service and said, You're going to kill the church if you go on saying, give, give, give. No church can stand it. You are going to kill it. This very helpful, kind member was telling the preacher before the service. Well, after the sermon, the preacher said to the people, folks, I need to tell you that Brother Jones over here told me that I'm going to kill the church if I keep asking you to give. My brethren, churches don't die that way. If anybody knows of a church that died because it had been giving too much to the Lord, I'd be very much obliged if my brother would tell me where that church is. For I will visit it and climb on the walls of that church under the light of the moon and say, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. See, our church isn't going to die because we give too much to the Lord. Blessed are they who give, right? And, though, and, and give and it shall be given unto you. God gives great... Uh, promises to those who are willing to give. It's a great way to get our eyes off ourselves is when we're willing to part with something that God has given us. So I would say be willing to give your finances. Secondly, be willing to give your family. This one's a little more difficult. I would much rather write a check than have one of my kids go overseas. Matthew 19. If you turn over there real quickly. Matthew 19. Verse number 27. Then answered Peter, this is Matthew nineteen twenty-seven. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? for? He said, you know, hey, what's the benefit here? We, we did all this, we gave all this to you, we forsook it all. Now what are you going to give us? Verse 28, Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you that ye which have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye shall also sit upon twelve thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. So that's the future. But the here and now. Verse 29 And every one that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands for my name's sake shall receive an hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. Be willing to give your family. If the Lord calls one of your children to go overseas in a dangerous part of the world to preach the gospel, you should count it as an honor and a privilege. I realize it's a sacrifice, but a sacrifice worth making for the cause of Christ. A missions director once met with the mother of one of his agency's missionaries and spent some time getting to know her. She prepared tea for the director in her parlor, and and as they drank the tea, she explained to him the difficulty of having a daughter on the mission field of China and a son as a missionary in Sudan. She loved and missed them dearly. But as she explained, her love for God allowed her to let them follow His will for their lives. The mother mother went on to describe the burden her son had for the Sudanese people. Her relay of his description of the people brought her to tears several times during this conversation. Missions director left her house with a deeper appreciation for the parents of missionaries and a greater burden for the country of Sudan. Well, a few months later, the missions director got word that a missionary in Sudan had been killed, and it was this Scottish lady's son. Feeling that he should be the one to break the news to her, he once again visited the mother in her home. After telling her the tragic news, the mother looked down, and in a few moments of composure she said, Sir, I would rather have my son die in the middle of Sudan alone than to have him living here with me, disobeying God's will. I realize that should the Lord call one of our children to go to a foreign land and, our, and take potentially our grandkids there, I know that would be difficult. But we would have a joy that is unspeakable as well. Knowing that they're doing the will of God, because we wouldn't want them to stay, to be around us just because we're being Selfish. We need to be willing to give our family, if that's what it takes to get the gospel out there. So we need to give financially. We need to give our family. We need to pray. We need to give. And then, thirdly, we need to go. We need to go. You know, remember when your mom used to tell you to do something? And if she had to repeat it, you knew you were in trouble. She told you three times it was like super serious. Well, can I remind us all that the Lord has told us to reach this world with the gospel of Christ, not once, not twice, not three times, not four times, but five different times in the word of God, once in all four gospels and once in the book of Acts to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Folks, he's serious when he gives us this great commission. It's not an option It's something that we've got to respond to. Look, there are 7.69 billion people in this world. And out of those 7.69 billion people, 3.14 billion people in the world today are among the unreached who have never heard the name of Jesus. 3.14 billion people have never even heard the name Jesus. Of Jesus Christ, that's 40.8% of this world's population have never heard the name of Jesus, let alone the plan of salvation. 40, almost 41%. So God wants us to go, to not just sit here and, and, uh, and know about the need, but to do something about it by going. Where are we to go? Well, I would sum it up with this, around the corner and around the world. That's where we're to go. Acts eight, the verse where we've been memorizing. You shall receive power after that. The Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, in more Oklahoma. God wants us to go here around the corner. And then later on, it's and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Ron Hamilton wrote a a song, a little chorus called Around the Corner, Around the World. I won't sing it for you. I'll just read it for you. And it says, Around the Corner, Around the World. A soul needs Jesus, a soul who's never heard. Let's take the good news. Let's take God's living word. Around the corner, around the world. We need to do so in our Jerusalem here in Moore, Oklahoma. I'm going to ask the men to pass out one more item tonight. Thank you, men, for doing this. We have three flyers for our series, How Great Thou Art. And on the back, there's the gospel message. These three are not for you, so that you'll be encouraged to come back next Sunday. Because I hope that you'll be here with or without these. These are for you this week to give out three Invitations to church and three presentations of the gospel. I would encourage you each, and this goes to everybody. If we if we can, all the children get, get a stack. Everybody, um, and I want you children to take this seriously as well. Don't just stick this in your Bible. View it as homework from uh, from church. All right, you get homework from school. At church, we ought to be given homework, and this is one of the homework items that all of us have this week, is to give out three invitations to Cornerstone Baptist Church and to let them know about how they can come to know the Lord as their Savior. We need to do this in our Jerusalem. We also need to do this in the uttermost part of the earth. We have a responsibility to do both Jerusalem and unto the uttermost part of the earth. 75.9% of missionaries, unfortunately, go to the reached world. 23.7% of missionaries work with the unevangelized. So that's less than a quarter of missionaries that get sent out go into areas where there's not very many witnesses. The the The... Christianity's not been preached, and it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty virgin ground when it comes to the gospel. So only a quarter of those missionaries go there, and most go to the reached world. Not that that's, you know, again, a missionary has got to go where the Lord's calling them. I get that. But it is sad when you start reading these statistics. And this is a really sad one here. Only 0.37% of missionaries, so not even a full percentage, a, a third of a percent, of missionaries go to those who have never heard the name of Jesus. There's a, uh, there's a portion of the world called the 1040 window. I don't know. Do we have a slide for that? We do. Okay. 1040 window. This is, a, this is an important part of the world. Two-thirds of the world's population, more than 4.4 billion people, live in this region of the world. So two-thirds of the world population live in that, that window, between the, the, the 1040 window. Ninety percent of the people living in this window are unevangelized. Many have never heard the gospel message, not even one time. And This is where the butler served, in the 1040 window there in the Philippines. There are either no Christians or not enough of a Christian movement in any cultures in the 1040 window to carry out... Vibrant, near-neighbor evangelism. Now, 97 of the... Uh, I'm sorry. 97... Let me, uh, let me move on here. All right. Let me move on to the, the next thought. So that's where. Secondly, when. When should we reach these people? When should we go out into the, our Jerusalem and into the other parts of the earth? Well, the answer here from our text that we read at the very beginning, in John chapter 4, the harvest is ready now. The harvest is ready now. John said, or Jesus said, Say not ye there yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Uh, we need to reach them right now. There is an urgency to get the gospel to the lost. Consider this statistic, over 70,000 people die every day in the unreached world without Jesus Christ. 70,000 people enter eternity without knowing the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. What are we going to do about that? Remember when I was in uh, Bible college and I was working at Staples, the office superstore. I worked in the furniture department sold chairs, file cabinets, bookcases, desks, all kinds of wonderful things, and there was a person that I was working with um, that I was trying to witness to, and, and I remember trying to witness to him, and it just didn't seem like the right time. I got back to the dorm room, and I was talking to one of my friends, his name was Clay, and We were talking about this, and I was like, yeah, there was this guy that I work with, and I was going to witness to him, but I just didn't feel like it was the right time. And then he asked me a question that I have never forgotten since. He said, Eric, when will be the right time? I've thought about that a lot. When will be the right time for you to witness to him? Behold, thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Our life is a vapor. It appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. We don't know how much time that they have. Now I realize that the Lord's timing, He can direct and I get all that, but that, that still has stayed with me. When will be the right time, Eric? Because the harvest is white already and needs to be, gathered right now and most of you know uh, in our bulletins we, we we print it up every Saturday um, weather permitting uh, we go out into our community my my family and I do and um, and I know that not everybody can go out on Saturdays I get that and I'm not at all insinuating that you need to come out on Saturdays at 10 30 that works for my family and I it may not work for you but you and I all have a responsibility to go at some point. You know, when is it going to work for you? But find a time because this is an important part of not just our church life, but the Christian life. And so I would encourage you to come out either Saturdays or uh, every, every other day as you're out and about, at work, and as you're out shopping and as out, you're, you're out getting coffee, you're out getting fuel... Well, whatever you're doing, be a witness. It doesn't have to be an organized time. It can be, but it doesn't have to be. God wants us to be witnesses, not just on Saturdays at 1030, by the way. He wants us to be witnesses all the time. So when should we go? Well, the harvest is ready now, so I would say right now. Thirdly, who should go? The answer here is every. Believer, God wants us all to go. Who will go here in our Jerusalem and who will go into the uttermost part of the earth? You might be sitting there thinking, Well, Pastor, you need to go. You know what? You'd be absolutely right. I do need to go. But not for the reason you might be thinking. Not because I have a Bible college education, not because I've been ordained to the gospel ministry. Not because I'm a pastor of a church, but because I am a Christian. That is why I should go. By the way, if you're a Christian, you need to go too. Um, who will go to the uttermost part of the earth? Who will tell the unreached nations all across this gro- globe? Who will give their lives to be witnesses of God's amazing grace to the people abroad? Isaiah chapter number 6 you remember the story of Isaiah, Isaiah had a, a vision of the Lord there in, in, the, in the throne room. And as he gets to the end of that story, he hears the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then Isaiah said, Hey, here's me. Let me go. I want to go. Pick me. Too many Christians, I think, in our generation today are saying, Hey, I've got an idea of who you should send. Uh, my brother over here, my sister over here. Uh, we don't. We no longer want to volunteer to serve the Lord and and uh, go and tell this people. There's a song, and I, I don't know who wrote it, but uh, it goes. Uh, the song is written, it. my house is full. And, and here's how it goes: There is peace and contentment in my father's house today. Lots of food on his table, and no one is turned away. There is singing and laughter as the hours pass by. But a hush calms the singing as the father sadly cries. My house is full. My fields are empty. Who will go and work for me today? It seems my children all want to stay around my table, but no one wants to work in my fields no one wants to work in my fields. It says, push away from the table. Look out through the window pane just beyond the house of plenty lies a field of golden gray, and it's white or ripe white unto harvest. Oh, but the reapers, where are they? Oh, they're in the house. Oh, can't the children hear the father sadly say? My house is full, but my field is empty. Who will go and work for me today? seems my children all want to stay around my table, but no one wants to work in my fields. No one wants to work in my fields. Will you go and work in my field? Where are the young people who would say, look, I don't care about the money. I don't care about fame or fortune. I don't care about the things this world has to offer. I want to serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I want to go and be a missionary. We've been reading through some stories in our family about some young men who were just zealous about reaching others with the gospel of Christ. They didn't That, that was their passion. That was what moved them and motivated them. Where, are, where, where have they gone? We're too busy trying to be social media heroes. We're too busy doing things that are so vain and empty and have no meaning. Romans 10.14, some great questions here. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? How are these people in the 10.40 window going to hear without someone telling them? I get the Internet's powerful tool. But you cannot rely upon the Internet. God did not say, the Internet shall reach them. God told us as believers, and He's given us the responsibility to go and reach this world with the gospel of Christ. What are we going to do about it? Are we going to go here in our Jerusalem? Are we willing to go to the uttermost part of the earth, young people? I think if God would call somebody from Cornerstone Baptist Church, that would be such an honor. For us as a church to send you out to go carry the gospel to those who need it, to carry the light into a a dark area. We need to lift up our eyes. I, I'm not trying to minimize what we're going through in our own individual lives. I'm not trying to say that's not important, but we can't just keep looking at ourselves and thinking about ourselves all the time. God's told us to get our eyes off ourselves and to look at the fields because they're white already to harvest. Someone needs to do something about it. Let's do something about it as a church. Let's be willing to pray. Let's be willing to give. And let's be willing to go. As we get ready for our missions conference, I hope that all of our hearts will be in tune with the need of the world. That again, I realize it's going to be a busy week. I realize that you have work and you have school and homework. And I get it. But This is important, folks. Let's make it a priority in our lives and in our schedule. Let's be here as much as we possibly can. Let's make a little bit of a sacrifice to be a part of the conference, be faithful to it, and to uh, really be a blessing to our missionaries that are here and be willing to do what God calls us to do individually. God is going to speak to all of our hearts if we let Him. And we need to be obedient to what He has for us. I know... God wants us to pray. So I would encourage you even now as we begin getting ready to be praying for our missions conference and our missionaries that are going to be here. Be willing to give. Begin praying right now for the Lord to show you what he would have you individually to give to worldwide evangelism over and above your tithe. I'm thankful for those who already give in that way, but uh, I want to give us all an opportunity to do that. By the way, our church even gives towards missions. Uh, We give 10% of our general income. Uh, The general fund goes towards missions every week. And I want to encourage all of us to be involved in giving towards missions as well and then be willing to go. Be faithful to go here. Look, God may not call you to Zimbabwe, but he has called you to more. And look, I know that you may have a different job title than, than everybody else in this whole room, but... But I'll tell you one job title that you have as a believer. You are a missionary to Moore, Oklahoma. You may not go to any missions conference and have a display and show a video and preach. But I'm telling you, you are a missionary in Moore, Oklahoma, just the same. Let's take that responsibility seriously. And I am a missionary to Moore, Oklahoma as well. Not because I'm a pastor, but because I'm a believer. I want to encourage us. As we go into this mission season to lift up our eyes off of ourselves and onto the needs of the world.